Um, well, first of all, yes, it's super true. I think we all have stereotypes in our mind and everyone who says he or she doesn't, I think is lying. <laughs> but then again, like I have stereotypes. Again, it's not our fault. It's the media, it's the books we read, the people we talk to that plant these stereotypes in our heads. Like Germans are complainers, Spanish are loud, Dutch are rude. Like, you know, we know <laughs> all of them. So, yeah. Hello, I'm Alan Hill. In this podcast series of The Nostalgic Vagabond, we're talking travel, all kinds of travel, with all kinds of interesting people from all around the world. In conversation, we'll share personal anecdotes, tales of adventure, and maybe misadventure too. Listen in for some unique cultural perspectives, tips from seasoned veterans, and an array of diverse experiences that have contributed to many life-changing journeys. Travel really is a privilege. We know that now. And if we can't do it right this very moment, let's talk about it then. Hey, where are you right now? On this episode of the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast, I talk with Sixtina from sixmilesaway.com, her website and blog. Sixtina says that traveling and living in diverse countries has helped shape her into the person she is today, evolving from a self-proclaimed rebellious teenager, intolerant and stubborn, who wanted things her own way, to a more rounded, simple living woman who speaks multiple languages, is more tolerant, more patient, open-minded, spontaneous and good-humoured. Is this the result of the expat life? In conversation, Sixtina talks about her first living abroad experiences, which happened in the USA on a high school exchange, to improve English, of course, but many other things too. We go on to talk about the meaning of the term expat, at least what it means to us. I ask Sixtina what she believes makes for a good expat, or a not-so-good one. We discuss stereotypes, prejudging people, and how we have to be aware of how easily it can be to hold prejudices, boxing people into who we think they are based on where they come from. On the road, we can always be surprised. That is one of the great things about travelling, and Sixtina shares some of the occasions where her expectations were not met, both in good ways and in not-so-good ways. Being involved in community is important to Sixtina's expat experience. She has some information on how she assimilates when she is abroad, and gives tips on volunteering opportunities that can be found all over the world, and websites like Workaway that can facilitate this exchange of culture and goodwill. We talk about homesickness. Can you become immune to it, or is it something that will creep up on you from time to time, especially when far away from your family and friends during holiday time? Sixtina has some tips on how to cope from her many years' experience living as an expat in the Netherlands, Mexico, Ireland, etc., where the customs are different from that of her native Germany. No matter whether you are a beginner expat or have been playing this game for a while, we can always improve. Sixtina tells us how she intends to continue to improve and be the best traveller and expat she can be. It's good stuff. So are you ready? Anyways, let's get to the conversation. Hello, Sixtina, and thank you very much for coming on to chat on the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Tell me exactly, Sixtina, where are you right now? I am right now in the beautiful city of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Have you been? I have been there. I actually ran a marathon in Amsterdam in 2018, I think. But I had also been there maybe two times before. Oh. And it is 
a really, really beautiful place, and I can see why you like living there. Yes, indeed. I love this uh, city so, so much, also the country, but more about this later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Sixtina is a very interesting name, isn't it? Do you have any background to where that name comes from? I think you're the only Sixtina I've ever known. However, I did meet a Sixtin once, a guy from Sweden. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your name. Yeah, it is indeed a very unique name. And I'm always looking for other Sixtinas around the world. And I use social media for that. So far, I have been successful, like in different places, but I always wanted another German Sixtina. But about that story, let me pause there, because I first tell you what I think is the meaning. If you try to Google it, you will not find the obvious answer. But then they say it's from the name Sixtus. And Sixtus in Latin means the sixth child. Unfortunately, I'm an only child, so that doesn't <laughs> really make sense. But then my mom also said there is like, you know, Capia Sixtina, the 16th chapel in Italy. So that's why people often ask me if I'm Italian. And also there's like this one painting, which right now I don't know how to say it in English, but it's called like Sixtinische Madonna, but it's a kind of Holy Mary. She was nice with people and helping them. And, but my mom, that was not the reason why she called me this because she wanted to call me Sixta, but my grandparents didn't like it. And underneath in the name book, it said Sixtina. So she said, in case I don't like it, I can just be Tina. But actually everyone now calls me Six, so the other part of my name. <laughs> and she just wanted a unique name because she said, oh, I didn't want you to be Maria or Julia because then all the kids come running on the playground. If I say Sixtina only, you came and it was perfect. <laughs> That's the stories. I mean, I wish I had five more siblings, but it uh, didn't happen. So, <laughs> yeah, so so much about the meaning. And then again, I found another German Sixtina, but you're right. It's not hard. To, it's very hard to find them. And maybe by now I have found six that I connected and some are from America, some from Chile, Italy. So, but I don't 100% know where this name comes from. <laughs> <laughs> now you're mentioning germany and from your accent it sounds that like you're german so germany is where you're originally from is that correct yeah, i'm from germany a very small city in the east side it's called um airford has around yeah not even two hundred thousand inhabitants but it is the capital of the state but even other germans don't know about it so i don't blame you if you have never heard about it yourself <laughs> <laughs> well this episode is about uh how to be an expat and you are an expat with experiences in many different countries. So could you briefly explain how long you've been an expat for and in which particular countries have you had this experience? Yes, happy to tell you about it. I mean, expats maybe means that I'm working, but anyway, there have been parts of my life I haven't been working, but I did live in other places, so I'm going to mention them as well. So actually everything started when I was 16, 17, I wanted to learn English and the best is to go to a country where they speak English to be surrounded by the language every day. So thanks to my mom, she pushed me and said, okay, spend one year like in America, Australia, New Zealand, anything like this and have a high school exchange. So thanks to her, I spent one year in Kentucky in the USA when I was a teenager. So like, you know, just with a host family, go to a high school, see if the American movies are right, what they say about America. So <laughs> it was a great time. I learned English and that was basically the foundation for the rest of my expert life because without English, I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're not so lucky living abroad. And then I um, decided to study abroad as well. So I moved to the Netherlands. The studies was four years. And during those four years, I could go abroad for another year, like two semesters. 
And I chose uh, Spanish speaking countries because I was interested in learning Spanish. So I ended up six months in Mexico and six months in Spain. Uh, Spain was Barcelona and in Mexico it was Guanajuato. Again, a very small city, not so dangerous like people think Mexico is. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, then once I finished studying, I worked one year in the Netherlands, but then I moved on to Ireland, where I also stayed four years again. And right now, uh, then I took a bit of a travel break and right now I'm back in the Netherlands. So you can see that the number four seems to be the magic number in my life because every four years I'm changing. <laughs> <laughs> not six though. <laughs> no, not six. Something wrong again with this name. <laughs> so you're talking about the idea of working abroad being part of the definition of an expat. So I was just wondering, Sixtina, in your opinion and from your experiences, how do you define the word expat? So actually, for me, it's a very simple definition. So for me, an expat is basically a person who has moved away from their native country to another country, either permanently or for some period of time. Um, so basically, it's the same like an immigrant, but a fancier word. Yeah, so that's what so, it means. For me. So could it mean you're there for one year or two years or forever? And you could be a student studying or you could be working or doing some kind of volunteering exchange program. Uh, is it quite a broad spectrum of possibilities in your opinion? I think so too. Like I always thought I need to be working in order to qualify for the definition of an expert. But I mean, yeah, maybe you don't need to work in order to live in another country. Like we talked about it before. You can just study, but you are fulfilling this definition, right? You're out of your home country in another country maybe for longer, forever or short, yeah. Mm. So I think, yeah, you're right. Maybe even students who study abroad are basically experts. So. Yeah. In your opinion and from your experiences and observations, could you articulate a few words on what you think makes a good expat and what you think makes a bad expat? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there are some, how to call it, characteristic skills or qualifications, I don't know the perfect English word here, but I think those things um, people who want to live abroad should bring along or at least develop along the way. So first of all, you need to be open for challenges because any country you live in won't be the same to your own country. So there will be challenges, even if it's simple things like maybe opening a bank account, there could be a complete different process. So you cannot get frustrated each time things of that happen. That doesn't make your life easier neither. <laughs> then, of course, you should be very kind, open-minded. Again, because there will be obstacles coming your way. And if you are resistant, yeah, it's just a painful experience and you won't enjoy it. Then again, you need to be respectful because it's a different culture. And just because they might do things different than what you are used to from your home country doesn't mean you need to be rude or tell them this is the wrong way because you learned it a different way before. Mm. And also with respectful, I mean like, yeah, learn the language or, you know, um, basically show interest in the culture and the history of the country you're moving to, in the local events, just basically be curious and very adjustable as you yeah move to another country. Like this would be... For me, a very good expert if you fulfill all of them. Then again, I am like, it's a process. I also was not all the things I just described. Mm. So maybe to give an example, I was a bad expert at the beginning because the first time I lived in the Netherlands, I was a very ignorant person. And like, 
not willing basically to learn the language because I always said, Dutch, I don't need it. Everyone here speaks English or German. I speak English and German. Why do I need to learn Dutch? But then again, it's very ignorant. I mean, you are making use of their system. You're learning from them. And only because they actually speak to other languages, you don't need to be rude and ignorant. At least I think Dutch people don't even expect you to be fluent in Dutch. Like mm. it's not the most useful language on the planet. They know that, but some basics on a survival language to start a conversation and then later switch to English or German, they would really much appreciate it. So this time I'm making a big effort learning the language. Yes, it's it's an interesting process of assimilation when you learn the language which is different from the one to your native language. I think, at least from my experience, making an effort, like you said, even if your language skills aren't great, if you at least try and get to a point where your abilities are stretched, often the other person will speak one of the other languages that you speak as well. But I think you get a lot of respect and people are willing to give you the time if you at least try to speak in their language. And I found that in many places in Europe, even though like you, most European people will speak another language, usually English as well, but at least just saying a few basic words and trying to express yourself to the point where you've maxed out and that's enough, they normally will come back and meet you halfway or at least maybe 90% of the way in my <laughs> case. But you get you get a different kind of respect from trying, don't you? Yeah, 100%. And even more, I mean... I don't even have an excuse not to learn the language because other people, you know, they say, ah, it's more difficult and so on. But then I am speaking German and Dutch. We have so many similarities. Sometimes it's one letter that differs. So like for me, I can probably pick it up in three months if I just make the effort. Like I don't have that excuse that it's a difficult language for me to learn. So yeah, like you say, it's always about this basics, super simple sentences that you can learn on Duolingo or Google yourself learn them it's probably five words ten words that you need to memorize and like you say the others respect you they have a different response and they also maybe are more open right away like oh this person is really interested in the culture makes an effort cool i want them as my friends <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah exactly now 16 how are you learning dutch right now are you taking some formal classes or are you doing everything online maybe with some tuitions from online tutors or are you just going out into the the town and, and the city of Amsterdam and just speaking to locals? I wish it was the last part, but because of Corona, not too much interaction there. Mm. But for now, um, I, I'm between two apps, so Duolingo, because it's for free. So du mm -hmm. Duolingo gives me good vocabulary, uh, but they don't give me so much grammar. So now I also paid the other app, the Bubble app, because they had a cool offer um, to... So I paid like three months, but I got six months. So that's very nice. And then I have Dutch colleagues. So we always made the agreement when we meet on Zoom, this person will speak in Dutch. And I try to respond in my broken Dutch or in English. But like, I'm very good at listening, but I'm not good in speaking yet. Right. So that helps because if they speak, I remember the words for next time. So that's a cool deal because language is all about practicing. I learned Spanish. Now I didn't use it for eight years. It's gone. Now I learn Portuguese. Oh, I'm confusing these languages. So if you don't use them, you lose them. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% true. Sixtina, I want to talk about stereotypes and, and judging people when you're traveling and when you're an expat. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're away in another country, you were saying earlier 
a one way to be a good expat is to be open-minded and to embrace the culture that you're experiencing. But regardless of where you are, if you're an expat, you are kind of a foreigner. You're, you're different to the majority of people where you are. So people will often have a idea of the kind of person you might be based on their knowledge to date of what they think that country is like the stereotype for example have you ever had any encounters or experiences anywhere in the world where the fact that you were german um, made people think of you a certain way whether it was good or bad um well first of all yes it's super true i think we all have stereotypes in our mind and everyone who says he or she doesn't i think is lying <laughs> but then again like i have stereotypes Again, it's not our fault. It's the media, it's the books we read, the people we talk to that plant these stereotypes in our heads. Like Germans are complainers, Spanish are loud, Dutch are rude. Like, you know, we know <laughs> all of them. So, yeah. But I mean, it. I think it always depends on the tone of voice. So if doing conversations, you know, people bring up some stereotypes like, oh, you Germans, you always complain fine like i don't take an offense if it's meant to be in a funny uh, setting or conversation it's fine you know but then if it happens over and over again same person saying the same stuff yeah it gets super tiring and annoying at some point i mean we know what people think of germans i didn't have like a bad bad experience myself but i mean um I did lie about my nationality every now and then when I'm on holidays. So for example, when I traveled to Greece a few years ago, I either said I'm Dutch or when I was already living in Ireland, I said, I live, like they said, where are you from? And then I didn't say where I'm from. I just said, I live in Ireland, you know, like ignoring their um, initial question because yeah, there was a period of time, you know, mm. where Germans had a bad reputation sure. or not the best reputation in Greece because of everything that happened with the EU. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I prefer not to say it. But then again, there are different generations and it depends on who you speak to. So I have many Greek friends now and they don't, mm. they know it's not my personal fault, whatever happened there, what my politicians do or their country politicians. So yeah, yeah, I mean, not bad, bad experience, but yeah, you, you run into those stereotypes every now and then. Yeah, it's interesting because our identity is always a combination of a group identity and an individual identity. So, for example, you are Sixtina, an individual person. You also happen to be German, but you also happen to have so much uh, expat experience. So you're quite a complicated individual, as I am, as are most of the people listening to this podcast. Regardless of where you're from, you have an identity based on your nationality, but you also have identity based on your likes and dislikes and what you associate with and agree with and identify with as an individual. So it's just really interesting that we can box people uh, before we even know them, whether that be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm Australian. I'm originally from Australia, but now I'm an expat, if you want to call it that, and I'm living in the UK. Now, luckily, I don't know if, if you've come across this 16er, but Australians generally... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a good passport to have. Most people are often extremely friendly and welcoming to Australian people. Perhaps in, in Bali, maybe it might be a little bit different there. Maybe we've worn out our welcome in that place. <laughs> but it's usually something like if a celebrity 
I, I've been in hostels and in travelers' communities all over the place, and had to had to answer so many questions about people curious about Australia, and it's almost like. I'm at the top of the table and everyone's just looking at me with their 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 chin on their palm just mesmerized by the animals and the nature and uh, the weather and the people and the surf. It is interesting in that way. However, another way that the stereotype works against me is that I've never surfed. I can't surf <laughs> and people tease me by that because I'm supposed to know how to surf because I'm Australian. So it's just these interesting stereotypes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you say, it actually, they are good and bad stereotypes, so they can work in your favor or not. Like in my case, it does help to be German or have the German passport, especially when it comes like to job hunting, because it's super, super easy for me actually to find a job abroad just because of my language, because German and French in Europe is pretty needed languages if you have like customer facing jobs mm. so like i don't even know how it feels to not find a job or look forever or make a lot of effort to send out hundreds of applications um but then again in my own country if i would apply in germany i'm just one of many who speak german so it was actually much harder for me to find a job that i like in my own country because they don't want me because of my language then i need to show off other skills <laughs> so yeah but i mean yeah, besides, I mean, like besides the, let's say, negative stereotypes that come with Germans, like we complain, we are grumpy and angry all the time. There are also many good ones, like we are fast and efficient and hardworking, and that totally helps me in landing a great job, especially abroad, of course. Yeah. Um, but then again, I mean, it shouldn't matter. I mean, it shouldn't matter what, like, is our nationalities. But unfortunately, there is and always will be um, prejudices, prejudices. I don't know how to prejudices, pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Depending on what your passport says, then again, there are other generations coming. There are things changing and maybe there's hope. Mm. But I do think, unfortunately, that nationalities will always, like some nationalities will have it always harder than others based on passport stereotypes mm -hmm. and these things out there. Yeah. The thing I have stereotyped myself with Germans and it's a good stereotype unless I discover a German who is not like this stereotype and then I get really disappointed <laughs> and that's somebody who's very punctual who's always on time yes you know? we are <laughs> five minutes before <laughs> yeah and when somebody's late who is German I just don't understand <laughs> <laughs> that is so true yeah sometimes you are said if you meet someone who doesn't fit in that stereotypes you made up like you're German you're supposed to be on time even five minutes uh, earlier that is so true <laughs> so you've been an expat in a bunch of places so far as you were explaining earlier mm -hmm. have you had any sort of surprising experiences at some point along the way where maybe your expectations were exceeded or not met at all? Um, when I moved to Mexico as a student or, you know, at that time, mm -hmm. for me, it was super surprising because in my head, drug dealers, everyone with a gun, dangerous, like mm. you cannot walk on the street, basically, like that was the stereotype. Mm -hmm. dangerous country don't go there right so then i went there even long term actually i was surprised my mother just let me go like she's like cool have fun <laughs> and then i was really surprised how developed 
this actually is and how wrong the media sometimes brings over this information. I mean, yes, it's more dangerous than like in Europe, but uh, it's not as this super dangerous place that I imagined it would be. Like I was imagining everywhere broken houses, no good transportation, not good availability of education and these kind of things. And then when I was there, totally everything in order and place, the buses were great. They had bigger seats than the ones I used in Europe, you know. Houses were colorful, beautiful, had everything they needed inside. They were nightclubs. The people I studied with were mainly Mexicans and not so many foreigners. So I don't know. That for me was super, super surprising in a positive mm. way. So I wanted, because I remember at the university, the teachers also said, please make good, like, please talk good about our country to your people. We would like to have more of you guys come over here, study abroad and spread the word. So. I thought that was really touching because, yeah, I don't know. Then, um, of course, there it was more dangerous. So basically what my surprising fact about Mexico was, yes, they are developed. They basically live like I live in Europe. Just they have a bit more security measures in place, like take taxi home. Don't walk in the dark streets by yourself. Don't have phone out or fancy watch on. Mm. But not much more limited than this, to be honest. So yeah, then again, I was a student there partying all the time, having a good time learning Spanish, which was the goal. But uh, for me, that was a very yeah positive experience. And actually another one when I moved to Ireland, mm. <laughs> which was funny because I moved there. I didn't investigate, like I didn't research. I looked up nothing. I knew nothing about Ireland. So people told me, why you moved there if you don't know that place? I said, well, got a job offer. We can see you can always leave again. <laughs> and what I really liked there, these open, welcoming people, because you could basically go Monday to Sunday to an Irish pub yourself, sit on the bar, order a pint. And it's like this. You will connect with locals. They are interested in your stories. They talk to you. And yeah, I really, really was positively surprised about this openness because I mean, I come from Germany. If I go alone to a bar, people think I'm strange. Like, you're out alone? Are you strange? What are you doing here? And that was super normal. Mm. Uh, but then again, there were things that I didn't like there as well. Public transport was horrible. The health system was a thing you need to get used to because it was a different order of things. But I think the main problem with all of this is we always compare to our home country. And we all know that comparing is a thief of joy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's true. We're always comparing to our experiences, aren't we? Yeah. Everywhere I've been, all the countries, it seems to me that there will be some things that are better than I expected and some things that are worse than I expected from my experiences and from what I've been in with living in the countries I've lived in. So, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing you said about uh, drinking alone in Ireland <laughs> You don't do that in Germany. You always go out in groups. Is that right? And in Ireland, I mean, it's quite normal to go to the pub alone and then meet people there, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, really, because in Germany, really, people would look at you strange. Like, eh? like <laughs> people look at you strange in Ireland if you order half a pint. Yeah. They know you are not from here. You should always order a pint. And then in Germany, <laughs> they would look at you strange if you're going alone out somewhere because, yeah, you go with at least one person partner or a friend or in a bigger group yeah mm. yeah yeah so, very interesting funny. interesting and did you find the fact that you were not from ireland 
in this case at the pub worked to your advantage because you were different and interesting and people were curious and wanted to ask you questions about where you come from? Well, I hope so and think so. Like, I don't think it was just superficial because each time when I started to strangers, let's say, or Irish people, mm. like we had super good, long, deep conversations, which I don't think people would go for if they are not really also interested in your story. Like what brought you here, why you are here. I do think at some point Irish people are tired of foreigners because all the big companies are there and there are maybe too many coming right now, especially in the big cities like Cork and Dublin. Mm. But actually in general, I never felt someone was rude or mean or showing that they are tired of foreigners, like always super open and really interested in you as a person. Yeah. 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 That was a new experience for me. I don't know that. I only know maybe superficial <laughs> conversations. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I like that. So let's talk about community as an expat 16er. So obviously when you go traveling and when you go live somewhere else, you go alone and you have to discover and assimilate into a new community, which is quite important. Otherwise, we'd all be alone all the time. So how important is community to you when being an expat and then how do you like to contribute when you're living in these communities as an expat mm -hmm. yeah i think the best ways to contribute to this kind of uh, communities is like do volunteer work buy from locals and like attend local events again for networking see where you can help so for example in ireland that's the country where i also started volunteering which was also encouraged by our co company mm because they matched the amount that uh, the hours that we work there. So yeah, I volunteered for different places like beach cleanups and things like this, or helped to feed the homeless, worked at the garden center with Down syndrome uh, mm -hmm, people. Mm -hmm. But also when we travel in Asia, we did some volunteer. Uh, and then like when you buy from locals, for example, I traveled to India with a friend And I really wanted to have a ring because I like the style of the Indian ring. So I bought like two rings from one local shop there. And then I wanted another one, but he was super nice. And he said, you know what, madam, I made enough money today already with the two rings you purchased. Please purchase a ring from my other friend over there or like another shop. Mm. And I thought like, wow, like not a greedy business person. How you know them from home, let's say. <laughs> And I was like so touched. So yeah, it really helps to buy locals for all of them to, you know, make a good living. Yeah, I mean, local events nowadays, we have apps, Facebook groups, these kind of things. But I think community is so important because you don't want to be alone. People are not made to be alone. Relationships are so important, especially when you're in a new country, you don't know things. You need help to figure out stuff. So yeah, having a community, friends, good relationships, yeah, it's very, very, very important. Do you have any favorite memories of all the places you've been where if if you were to rank the communities you've been involved in in say Ireland and Mexico and the USA and Amsterdam mm -hmm. that that one is your favorite or or the or the best one to get inside and be a part of ah tricky one so mm, i guess it's between Mexico and Ireland because well Mexico i remember when i came back from Mexico I told everyone, I'm the happiest person in the world. I'm on this happiness high. I don't know anymore how it feels to be sad. <laughs> Just because I had that simple life, it was 
great, good food, welcome, sun, like everything was great. Again, I was a student, I wasn't working, okay? <laughs> but um, I remember it was so great, so down to earth and I don't know, like simple things, good food, good weather, mm. good friends with like friends that want to be your friends and not, oh, she's a foreigner, cool, I can show off. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, it was like really deep friendships. Mm. We are still in contact. One friend lived with me in Ireland, one Mexican friend, actually. So, um, yeah, I think I'm between those two communities just because it's nice when you can feel welcome mm. and not rejected Yeah, and make easily connections because there are other countries where it's maybe harder to connect with the locals. Maybe they feel colder on the first sight, but that was so easy. And that's really great for an expert, I mean. Yeah. Make friends. I've heard that about Mexico being extremely friendly, welcoming and willing to talk to you and embrace you as a foreign person, no matter where you come from. Yeah, I'm, I'm yet to go to Mexico, but I definitely have to get there at some point because I just keep hearing really nice things about it. Yes. And you're another one. Yesterday, I went to a friend and we had Taco Tuesday. So every Tuesday, they are making homemade tacos. And it was like back in Mexico with some Michelada drinks. It's like beer with some tomato juice and some spices. Sounds super random. <laughs> it is super random. I didn't like it at the beginning, but now I like it. And ah, I felt like back in Mexico yesterday, just the Dutch weather didn't show <laughs> that. <laughs> so yeah, you should definitely go to Mexico. Yeah. After COVID, hopefully we can After do it. After COVID, yes. <laughs> you, you were talking about your volunteer work that you were doing in Ireland. Now, it sounded like that was kind of corporate volunteer work. So can you talk about the kinds of volunteering you've experienced in Ireland, but also when you've gone mm -hmm. abroad? What, what kinds of things have you done and, and would recommend to other travelers? Yeah. So coming back to Ireland, so we did uh, clean up different beaches, mm -hmm. like usually two hours a day, which was great because you got exercise. You did something good and it's so simple to pick up rubbish and you will always sadly find rubbish on the beach, even though you think it's maybe a clean one. Then we did, you know, that place that provides food for homeless. So again, there we helped out, we prepared sandwiches, we gave it to the people, like to the homeless, there was certain hours a day they could pass by. Then we helped clean the kitchen and prepare more food for a later moment they come back. That was super, super nice as well because yeah, you get to speak even to them, hear the story, why are they actually homeless, you know? Because some people say there shouldn't be homeless people. We have a social security system in place, so they must choose to be homeless, but that's not always true neither. Mm -hmm. So super interesting and good for your heart. Like you feel good because it's about giving as well. You don't just take, 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 take. You need to give as well. Back to the country that maybe gives you a job or yeah. gives you new friends, you know? You cannot just take not healthy and then the other thing was like garden work so there were people hired with the down syndrome and then you know to i don't know um yeah keep them engaged and give them a job it's basic jobs mm. but actually it's super super physical work like i had so sore muscles after those <laughs> two hours of gardening but it was super fun and again like you can talk to them people yes they look different but you can talk to them like mm. Yeah, okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was the three experiences I made with volunteering in Ireland. And then doing our travels, because we did a low-budget travel, we used the platform Workaway, where you um, can volunteer, and in exchange, you get food and accommodation for free, usually. So we did it three times in Asia. Mm -hmm. The first time was in Japan. We were in a more remote, let's call it village, 
oh, how is the name? Well, people can, not a re, it's not a resort, but anyway, it was more like in a big forest and they had like tents or little wood huts there mm. that people could rent. And so I was folding Japanese style mattresses <laughs> and my husband, he was cleaning barbecue grills. So basically we cleaned all of the huts and tents for the next customers to arrive. But it was great because we were with locals because how else can you find Japanese while you travel just like that? Mm -hmm. So that was cool. And they even spoke English already. So that was great to connect with locals. And then again, we all ourselves lived in the hut together. We slept on these Japanese mattresses kind of on the floor. So that's the local experience you also want during your travels, not just book the next hostel. Yeah, great. You find other travelers and you have a normal bed. So mm -hmm. that was cool. Um, and then we went to South Korea. Again, we worked this time in a hostel, but it was a sustainable one. So everything, the whole hostel was built from donations. And he was teaching us how to separate rubbish, but not actually rubbish, in particular plastic, because plastic is not just plastic. There are like four or five different types or even more of plastic. Mm -hmm. So he was teaching us even what that means and what can be recycled and what not. And then out of rubbish, we always try to build something um, All right. useful for the um, hostel. So that was super interesting. Again, the owner was a South Korean who actually lived in Australia. That's why his English was very, very good. And again, another great way mm. to learn about sustainability in the country, but also connect with them. And the last one, well, this was a luxury one. We did it in Laos because after all the traveling, you get tired and you would like a real bed for once. So we worked in a boutique hotel in Laos but only for 10 days, but we had infinity pool, a proper bed. <laughs> and all we had to do was like help with a website, create a menu, you know, like some design thing. Wow. And it was just for us to have some luxury in between. <laughs> and yeah. all those options in Asia, you discovered those on Workaway. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think there's another platform with a similar name, like a similar concept, but I forgot the name world packers or something, but we chose Workaway. Super easy, you pay a month and or a yearly fee. Mm. And it's super small. I don't even remember, maybe $30. Yeah, totally worth it. And you can write with the people before, you can apply for different stuff. They really describe how many hours they want you to work, what exactly is your work and what they give you in return. Of course, before you even speak, before you agree. And there, there's everything like from hostels, what we did, but also could be something creative like, there was one place they were building houses, mosaic houses. So like could be hands-on stuff as well. Or a little a lady, she were, had a jewelry shop and needed people help do that or maybe serve some customers. There are restaurants, everything, sustainable, creative, whatever. You find so much cool stuff there. Even you don't need to travel abroad. You can find those volunteer opportunities in your own country. Mm, they are also advertised on the platform. Yeah, yeah. it's really nice. You don't need to go far to be doing volunteer work. <laughs> Sixtina, you left home at a very young age and you've been an expat and also a traveler for many years now. I was wondering if you ever get homesick and if you do, how does that come about? Yeah, I mean, right now my answer would be not that much. <laughs> but I remember like when I lived abroad in, the, uh, in America for the first time as a teenager, it was my first time for one year away from my family, I did get homesick around Christmas time. I remember I cried for many hours on the phone with my mother. I want to go home. I don't like it here. Things are different. I am not that free like I'm at home because you need a car. At home, I could walk. <laughs> These small things, right? 
but I do think it gets a bit easier the longer you live abroad. Not not that I'm never homesick, but much, much less than maybe when I was younger, right? Mm. And I do think the hardest part why I still get homesick is my family, right? So, I mean, especially my parents are getting older. I'm missing my friends. I want to help my parents with small things, even just to carry up a furniture they order, you know? <laughs> but you're far. You won't be able to do it there. Or like, you miss baby showers, you miss weddings. So this kind, I think, either holidays, certain holidays, or family should be the main reasons why people usually get um homesick because for example what i miss is is christmas but only because we have some german traditions that i really miss and i try to do them here for example on the 6th of december we always fill our shoe nikolaus brings food in the clean shoes <laughs> and now i'm trying to do that here as well like this or we have these uh, christmas calendars in germany so from the 1st to the 24th every day you open a door and there's a present or a chocolate or something and other countries don't have that calendar. Maybe by now they also get the hang of it because it's fun. Everyone should do that. And that's like when I miss, let's say, Germany yeah, mm. for these kind of cool traditions. But um, I'm not like crying myself into sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it depends on where you live. For example, when I lived in the Netherlands doing my studies, so I could see my mother every two, three months. Either she came or I went there. In Ireland, it was not so easy because I was stuck on an island. So I needed to get on an airplane. Airplane tickets are more expensive than just a car ride or like a train ticket. Um, so yeah, maybe there I saw my mom once a year, maybe twice. Mm. Because actually it took me longer to get home to Germany than to America and back because the connection from where I was was horrible. Like I had to go Cork, Dublin, fly somewhere to Germany and another train. So it took like one day just to get to Germany <laughs> or to my hometown. <laughs> The good thing is I have a mother who pushes me to go abroad, which means she loves to travel. So she visited me in Mexico. She visited me when I lived in Spain, Netherlands many times, Ireland many times. Even now we were together in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So that's helpful because if you have a family where always you are the one who need to go, it's also a bit more tricky because you have only maybe 25 holidays. And if each time you need to spend already one week yeah. <laughs> to go home, yeah, it's a bit harder. <laughs> Definitely. But I mean, yeah, I'm very happy for my mother that she pushed me to go out of my comfort zone, to live abroad, because I would have been too shy to go in the first place. So respect to my mother to never be so scared or at least not show it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but maybe some tips for people who are homesick. It's always good to call, you know, friends and family or write or talk to other experts because actually other experts share your pain and maybe they have also tips how they overcame it, you know, like. Totally. So or like do something that reminds you of home, cook a local dish, go to a German restaurant in my case, yeah? Mm -hmm. Something, or do something you would do at home, games night with friends, distract yourself basically. Yeah. And then homesickness goes away pretty fast. You were mentioning it's Christmas time that is like a trigger for your homesickness. So I was curious, Sixtina, do you have other German expats in Amsterdam that you hang out with and maybe you do German style Christmas things when Christmas time comes around and is that important to you? Totally a lot of Germans over here <laughs> Facebook helps you find them because you can basically look Germans in Amsterdam Spanish in Amsterdam Brazilians in Amsterdam so <laughs> through this I can find a lot of Germans I have made maybe one or two friends via Facebook groups but other Germans I hang out with is usually from my work because we work closely together and usually your colleagues become your friends. Um, and yeah, 
I mean, I do regularly meet with them. I would say every weekend I meet another person. Yeah, we try, like Christmas, we did celebrate together. And I wouldn't say this year we did traditions, but at least we had like games night mm. or we cooked something what we would eat on Christmas at home. And that was really fun, yeah. But still it was international because my husband is Brazilian and my other friend husband, well, she's German, but he's French. So mm. it was cool. Like everyone brought a bit of tradition to the table. International Christmas. <laughs> yes, that's the best ones. A lot of food, different food. Indeed, indeed. Food is life. <laughs> Curiously, Sixtina, do you have any plans on somewhere to travel next? I know mm -hmm. when COVID starts to clear up again, or even more extreme than that, do you have any ideas of moving to another country again to be an expat in another new place or perhaps in another old place like going back to Mexico or Ireland or anything like that? I would like to finally stay and have basically the Netherlands as my home base. I don't want to say settle is such a big word, but at least long-term stay here because I'm also tired of always changing, starting from zero, finding out where's your haircut, uh, your friend, where's a social <laughs> club you can join. You know, it gets super tiring if every few years you're changing. So no plans for now to move. <laughs> we really want to stay here a bit long-term. And really, like I said, I'm making an effort right now to learn the language. Maybe we are moving again, just houses, you know, mm. like apartments. Um, but I really love the Netherlands. I mean, earlier I said it already, but why I love it so much is because the beautiful architecture, the work-life balance is great. The airport is the best. Like you can get almost with direct flight everywhere, even to Brazil to visit his family as well. The biking lifestyle is great. You have an international community as well. So for me right now, in the phase where I'm in my life, it's the perfect country to yeah live in and it's also very close to Germany to if there's an emergency with my mother I'm there in five hours by car basically mm. no plane to board where would I like to go so just in terms of traveling I would really love to see Morocco or Peru they have been on my list since forever mm -hmm. but I mean I guess realistically the first travel will be again to visit families after COVID <laughs> or maybe even between now and in this Morocco and Peru, I really hope I make it. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, it's time for... My favourite four. Are you ready? I am ready. Sixtina, <laughs> what is your favourite piece of clothing? My favourite piece of clothing? Well, that's very easy. It's probably leggings because they are growing with you if you get more fat and if you get skinny again. <laughs> And especially now in COVID, <laughs> it's super, super convenient because we all gained weight and maybe now we're losing it again because summer's coming, people go to the gym on at least outdoor sports. So leggings, I would say, yeah, very comfy. <laughs> <laughs> comfy and convenient. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite national flag design? The most colorful flag that you can tell me is the one I would choose. So like I love colors. I like because colors make me happy, bright colors. Like, I mean, from the top of my head, I did like the Mexican uh, flag. I mean, it's not the most colorful one out there, but it's cool. Also, they put effort in the middle, you know, with the eagle. Mm -hmm. And just because I like Mexico. But also, I think the South African is pretty colorful. Yeah. I mean, Jamaica, Ghana, I think they have, like, usually I think African flags are pretty colorful. So I cannot name a specific one, but the more colorful, that's mine. <laughs> the most number of colors, the better. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite month? 
Well, that's easy one. So it's of course May because May is my birthday month and everyone should love the day they were born because otherwise we wouldn't be here. So May it is. And actually right now we're having May and my birthday is coming up. Yay! Hey. <laughs> and the final question, what is your favorite ocean or sea? Oh, that's a tricky one because fun fact, I'm scared of the ocean because I'm scared of fish and I don't like to swim in the ocean. <laughs> but I mean, the most blue water with white sand I have ever seen so far in my life was in Mexico. So I need to go with whatever is on the side of Cancun. So like that would this... be the, well, I guess the Atlantic or the... Yeah, like Cancun area, whatever that beach is there, that ocean, I'm taking that one because it's beautiful <laughs> beach that I experienced there. Like so, so, so blue and white sand. Really like from the media. At least they're not lying about that part about Mexico. So yeah, indeed. that's the ocean. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's that done. You smashed my favorite four. I have a couple of things left and then I'll let you go because we're running up to the 5.30 mark. Mm -hmm. Now, talking again about expats and what makes a good expat, Sixtina, do you think there are still some areas, apart from learning the Dutch language or just learning the language in which you're living, where you can still improve on becoming an even better ex expat than you are now? Yeah, 100%. I think we can always, always improve something about ourselves that never stops, right? So like, I still catch myself sometimes judging, right? Based on what could be nationality or looks or whatever. Mm. So I really want to get better in this part. And how I want to do this is like, to go to some events that usually I wouldn't attend or pick as a first choice myself. So let's say, I know, go to an African festival here in the Netherlands, like in Amsterdam, they have in the summer usually like festivals or like African festivals or like Latin dance salsa events, you know, just to get in touch with also other nationalities than the ones I'm anyway surrounded with because of work mm. or like attend a cooking class, like where you cook Middle East food, not just well, Italian food or <laughs> the easy obvious ones. Mm. Yeah, so that's how I still really want to improve, you know, not to judge and get in contact with maybe nationalities that are not so easy for me to get in contact with. Mm. Like right now at my new job, I really like it because usually I'm in contact with Germans, French, Spanish, like mainly Europeans. But now in my new job, I'm working with a lot of Russians and Turkish, Ukrainians, and that is so awesome because it's really unique. I never had a lot to do with these nationalities even at university there were not so many of them you know mm. so i'm really really enjoying it to learn about them their countries and yeah yeah it's really important their stereotypes even yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's really important to continue to branch and expand your understanding of the people around you and and the different types of culture and how they are different from your experiences and your culture but that doesn't make them bad it just makes them different mm -hmm. and it's really wonderful that where you're working it's so easy to that you you're lucky to have so many different perspectives of different cultures coming into your workplace and you can so much you, you can so easily learn from these people just by working with them can't you 100 percent, yeah and even if you just have over lunch 20 30 minute conversation you learn so much and sometimes if you learn a bit about the history or how things work in the country sometimes you even understand why certain stereotypes actually exist right like 
ah, that's why maybe people say this about your country because you just mentioned this and this. So yeah, very interesting. Join all the dots <laughs> together. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> good to connect. No, I'm super curious person. Like I'm, yeah, you know, I did this one personality check the other day mm-hmm. and it was like, here the 16 personality, whatever it is, right? And then my outcome was something like 80% extrovert. So I'm so extrovert. I love to talk to random people. I really miss that to just, you know, talk to a random person in the park or go to an event where I don't know anyone. Oh, I missed it. I hope soon it's possible again. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> All right. The last thing to do, 16er, is uh, for me to give you the platform to tell everyone about your website, your blog, your Instagram, and where they can find you and find out more about 16er. Yeah, so basically, I mean, I have an Instagram channel, YouTube channel, and website, and everywhere is the same name. It's called Six Miles Away. Actually, the blog, I first started just because I lived abroad, and people always ask me, and sometimes it was annoying to repeat myself. So I just basically started blogging about my travels, but also my life abroad, like in Ireland, Netherlands, and so on, Mexico. Um, Yeah, and then I tried to make it a bit more beautiful, more professional, right? So um, now I also have contributors on my website, like from other experts where where they are living right now to give advice, because if maybe people want to move there, it's great to connect or even read in the first place, Mm -hmm. how people find that country. And then I started YouTube at some point to make like fun and educative videos. I mean, I don't have so many videos up, maybe five or six, but my Ireland Cork video is going very good about Cork. Yeah. So mainly i have travel content living abroad content some expert guides expert story travel tips volunteer experience that's what you find on my platforms well i'll put links and information to those places where people can find more about you in the show notes Um, but apart from that we're out of time so i just like to say 16 it's really great to chat with you i really enjoyed it and thanks for coming on the nostalgic vagabond podcast perfect thank you so much for having me Thanks for listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. And if you would like to listen to other interesting talks on travel, there are more podcasts available. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. And for updates, just follow me at The Nostalgic V. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time. Hey guys, if you enjoy listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond, why not support the podcast? If you haven't already, subscribe and you'll be notified when new apps drop. You can also support the podcast by leaving a rating or a review on your podcast app. Why not share this episode? Tell your friends about it if something resonated with you. Word of mouth is great promotion. If you're into social media, maybe post a screenshot of the episode or upload the link on your profile so your mates can see what interesting content you've been into lately. All your support comes straight back and helps to keep the travel content and nostalgia of this podcast going. Cheers. So don't forget to subscribe.